We surrender. We surrender ourselves to you, Lord. We surrender ourselves to you. Lord, would you do in us and among us now as we gather um, as one community standing on the rock that is Jesus Christ? Would you meet with us? Would you bring, would you bring transformation into our lives? Would you, would you unite us together, Lord, even across the boundaries of everything that separates us? Bring us together through our faith in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. You know, the last, uh, the, the last couple of weeks, the last couple of weeks have been, uh, you know, from, from, my, from my perspective, from, from my point of view, uh, just a tremendous time of hearing from the Lord and uh, seeing the Lord pour out His Spirit and seeing the Lord um, work through the, the Word or the testimony of other people who worship here with us. And I... I I hope we never I hope we never overlook the the things that God does in our lives as a as a community um, when the word of testimony is shared right the word of what God has done or is doing in them because uh, like like we said it's never about the person that sits up front here right it's never actually about their story right it's it's how we're how God has been witnessed to work through the person, to work in the person, and how you and I, hearing the story of God's goodness, of God's faithfulness, of God's mercy, sometimes hearing the story of the way God has disciplined us, right, of the way that God has chastened us, so that we have been moved by the gentleness of His chastening to repentance and to faithfulness, how it's moved something move something in us like we are encouraged to to step into faithfulness by hearing hearing what God has done in someone else's life um, and uh, I hope that you I hope that you have been blessed by those testimonies and by those stories if you haven't got a chance to listen to all of them um, uh, the best place to find them is on our on our YouTube page they're all they're all there they're all saved there um, and uh, if you if you missed one or two of them, uh, missed any of them, go back and go back and take a listen and ask the Lord what He would uh, what He would have what He would show you and just um, open yourself, surrender yourself to what He would like to communicate to you in those uh, in that time. And I'm 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 confident that He will. Um, I tell you this week and next week, uh, I'd like to take um, I'd like to take the next two weeks, this week and next. Uh, to talk about two aspects of Christian life, I guess you could say church, Christian life and also church life, um, and to both share some um, some like honest reflection um, mixed with and interwoven with what the what we believe the Word of God has to communicate or teach us on the area of. Um, gospel community. What is what, when we talk about, when we say the word community? What do we what do we mean? Um, and the word uh, discipleship. When we say discipleship, what do we mean? And and a little bit about how uh, conduit is wanting to pursue some things in community and pursue some things in discipleship. But also, like I'll just be honest with you, and I'll, I'm going to get into this, but. Where, uh, as a as a church, we have maybe missed the mark, or we're not like we're not where we want to be, um, but we're we're hoping and praying that we're on a trajectory towards where we want to be, or where we where we feel like God wants us to be in both of those areas, both in community and in discipleship. Okay, um, so I, I'm not really I, I uh, not that I usually hold anything back, but I'm I'm. Not, not of the opinion that holding anything back in these conversations about where we're missing the mark is really helpful for anyone, right? So um, it's my hope that we can have honest conversation about it and that we can come together as a community in agreement 
for what we're asking God to do in the future. When we talk about uh, when we talk about Christian community, uh, the, the term that we uh, have tended to use here is gospel community. And the reason that we try to use that qualification of gospel community is because we believe that the work of the gospel in our lives should change the nature of the community that we have. Right? It should change the way and the reason and the characteristics of our relationships when we are here together as one body, but also when we're when we split up and go our separate ways on a Sunday, you know, when church is over, but we're still in relationship with one another throughout the week. One thing that I'm not really sure if it's always been a facet of the world or not is um, the what, what I'm seeing as kind of like the the prevalence to create and grab onto community wherever it is that we think we can find it. Right? So, and I don't mean this like, I'm not knocking on any of these about the world. All right? Um, we talk about things like, you'll see it, see it a lot on social media. People will talk about their, um, like their work family or their work community. Or creating, creating, a, creating a community of people um, on maybe in a, like in a Facebook group or a social media group or something like that. And like, that's my, that's my community there. Or like, or, or you work out at a specific gym, right? I have a few gyms that I work out and I have friends that I see all the time there. And some of them I'm really, really close with. And, and we talk about, we could talk about community in the sense of like, I'm going to go, you know, like this is my, this is, these are my people over here. This is my, this is my community. This is where I, this is where I belong. Like it's, it's more than just a place to work out. It's my, it's like family. Like, and, and we understand, I think we all understand what, what generally the heart, you, know, you have people that you see all the time and you have, share a common interest. And so you create a bond and a friendship and maybe it turns, you know, like it's more than just friendship. You're supporting each other and loving each other and encouraging each other. And, and, um, and, but we're, I think we're all, all in some way or another looking for a place to like belong. Looking for a place that we could say, this is my community. This, this is my, no, that's my, that's my family there outside of like our blood or familial relationships. Like, no, I, that's my family. That's my community. That's where I belong. That's who I am. That's what, those are my people. Um, we're made for community. We are whether whether we whether we want to like whether we want to whether whether we want to show the vulnerability to each other enough to admit that we can't do life alone is is separate from the reality that that's actually the truth, right? We many of us, some of us, myself, right? Um, the Lord is growing me in this. By the way, this is a growth area for me. Um, thing about myself, my insecurity, my anxiety, my depression, right? Right, the fact that I have no long-lasting relationships, that I don't know how to forgive anyone, that I've never forgiven anyone in my life, right? That, that doesn't matter. Look at me. I have made it. Right? But there's this sense that we like, um, so, so it becomes difficult for us sometimes to say, you know what, I need other people. And you begin to see little bits of that, that when like you, we grab for community over here, and when it gets hard, we let go. Right? And then we grab for community over here, and when it gets hard, we let go. And when we grab for community over here, and when it gets hard, we let it go. And then we, we slowly just back up into our own form of isolation, right? Um, because community is hard. 
anyone who said that, well, it should just be easy. I'll, I'll know that that's the community that I belong to when, when the relationships I build there and the feeling that I have there is just easy and it just all works and it just feels really good. Well, I want to tell you that like, that's, that's not the way the world works on this side of heaven, folks. It's not. It's not the way the world works um, at your gym or at your workplace or at the club you're a part of. It's not the way the world works even in the church. When we talk about community, we use the word gospel community here because we feel that it's important to make the distinction about the characteristics of the gospel that are necessary for us to like work hard towards in order for our community to be centered around the one thing that unites us rather than all of the things that could possibly separate or divide us. How many of you, um, how many of you traveled to like relatives' house over the, this past holiday? Yeah, or or have the experience of all of your family, like coming in from different areas, maybe of the country or the state or whatever, and you all gather at one at one like maybe your mom and dad's house, or your brother and sister's house, or your your house or whatever. You have that experience, right? A family coming in from different places and gathering, right? And there's this sense that you all understand that you're, you all come together because you have a, there's, there's some commonality in some way. Maybe you have the same, maybe the commonality is only that you have the same last name, right? Or the commonality of that it's the holidays and that's just what we, where we go and what we do, right? Um, but the, the reality that there there is is that is that you you don't spend all of your physical time in that space like maybe we'll just say at your parents' house for us it was my grandma's house we always traveled to we don't spend all of our physical time in that space but we all left and when we left we still understood that coming back together was like this act where where it was just the the reuniting in that moment and in that time of our very closely held relationships that we have. And sometimes I think that we we do get we do get a little confused about this. Right? What we what happens on a Sunday? <laughs> what, what are we doing on a Sunday? And if you for me, it was, it was helpful. It's a helpful paradigm to kind of take that, take that pattern of like, okay, we all converge upon my grandma's house Christmas morning because we all have the same last name. We all have the same heritage. We all have the same background, whatever, right? And it's the thing that brings us together in that moment. And then we go back out and then next Christmas or next holiday, we'll come back in. That is a little bit about that's a little bit like what happens here with us. Right? We, as a family, come together on a morning. Right? It's a regular pattern. The family gathers. Anyone have like regular family? Get like it wasn't a question. Like you, you were to be at the family dinner table on Sunday afternoon. You know, as an adult, like you to come back to like it was. It was just the thing that you did, right? It was not a question of whether or not you did it. Like that was just what your family did. And what the what the family of God does, right? What the gospel community does is that they they come together once a week. Um, generally, right, as a pattern, they come together once a week to to celebrate to be in relationship, to feast on God's Word, to worship together, to, um, to say hi once again if they haven't seen each other through the week, to love one another, to serve one another, to worship the Lord, to pray together, to pray for each other, to express forgiveness in relationships, to work out the things that you didn't work out last Christmas when you called your uncle a bad word across the table, right? Like, you came together... Right? We come together. 
think the important question, one of the most important questions that we can all ask here is, as a church community, as a gospel community that comes together regularly, is what actually does bring us together? This is a, this is a very critical question, okay? That I, we can't miss. What brings us together? Because I think that there are a lot of things that we think bring us together when we come together on a Sunday morning, but that may actually not. Um, Paul, the Apostle Paul in Scripture, and, and Paul wrote roughly two-thirds of the New Testament, right? All of the letters that we read, um, you know, Acts uh, or Romans, the Corinthians, the letters to the Thessalonians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, to Timothy, right? All of these letters that Paul wrote, he wrote a lot of them. And Paul, Paul's main mission and ministry in life was to display the unity that comes from a common faith in Jesus Christ. All right, I want to unpack this for you a little bit. Paul's whole, his whole ministry, the reason that God grabbed him in his wicked state and said, Paul, I have a mission for you. That mission is to go to the Gentiles as a Jewish person and preach to them that Jesus, in Jesus Christ, right, they are engrafted branches into the covenant people of God and that they have an eternal inheritance. And Paul's like, well, um, okay, I've spent my whole life believing something else, that we were separate people. I've spent my whole life, I've spent my whole life living in the middle of the thing that separates me from others. I'm a Jew. I have all these beliefs. And I'm a covenant person of God. They're all Gentiles. We couldn't be farther apart in our belief about the world, about eternity, about everything that's happening. And, and, uh, and Jesus is like, yeah, but that's not how it is. It's not how we're going to live anymore. That's not the truth. That's not the reality. Paul's mission was to go and to preach and to create unity between Jews and Gentiles. We're going to open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians this morning. Ephesians chapter 2 is one of the places that we're going to be. There's so much Scripture that we could read on this, but we're going to start here. Ephesians 2. Verses 11 through 22 to start. Now, listen. When, you're, when we're reading this and you're listening to this, I want you to think of it, read it through the context of what, of what we just talked about. That, that Paul, has, Paul, Paul is addressing the, the worldly separation between a Jewish person and a Gentile person, Right? Couldn't be more different in their belief about the world and about God and about eternity and about faith and all of that, right? And so Paul comes onto the scene having had a life-transforming experience with Jesus, being given a mission from Jesus to go and preach to these two groups of people. And here is how he describes that to the Ephesians. Now, the Ephesians are a Gentile people, right? They're not Jewish. They were not a part of the covenant people of God. They were separate from Paul, right? They were very different from Paul. It says, therefore, verse 11, remember that formerly you, you who are Gentiles by birth and were called the uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, that you were excluded from citizenship in Israel, and that you were foreigners to the covenants of the, pro of, of the promise without hope 
and without God in the world. So he was naming, he was naming how far away you Ephesians were from being a part of the people of God, being a part of the family of God, being a part of the community of God. You weren't a part of the family. You were not receivers of the promises that God had given to Israel. Just want to, to remind you of that, Ephesians. You were without hope and without God in the world. In verse 13, But now, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For He, Jesus Himself, is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in His flesh the law with its commandments and its regulations. His purpose was to create in Himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which He put to death their hostility. He came and He preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you who were near. For through Him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. What does Paul say here? Paul says that these two groups that could not have been further apart in their lifestyle, in their beliefs, in all of the things that they held near and dear about life, that Jesus Christ came to remove the dividing wall of hostility that existed in them and that in His body to create one new body out of the two. Meaning that Jesus took all of the things that separated Jew from Gentile, that He took them to the cross, that He killed them on the cross, so that there would be no barrier of hostility between these two people and that they would all be united by faith, by common faith in Him. It was and is the common faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus that brought these two disparate groups together that had classically been at, in hostility with one another and made one body out of the two. And the foundation of all of it was the work of Jesus. The foundation of all of it was the work of Jesus on the cross. Now, this is not the only place that Paul says this. To say it in as many places and as many ways as he possibly can. He said the same thing to the, uh, to the Corinthian church. He said it in this way. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 10. He said, by the grace that God has given to me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and now someone else is building on it. So, what is the foundation that Paul laid? Well, what, what he's speaking of in the context here is he came, he came into the Gentile world and, and began to preach the message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified for the salvation of all that believe, Jew or Gentile. And 
and, and that's the foundation that he's talking about. To anyone that would listen, a Jew who has the covenant promises of Israel, um, Jesus Christ and him crucified by faith in Jesus as the Messiah, that is how we access the covenant people of God. That is who we are. Gentile, never believing about anything, um, not Jews at all, not circumcised, not a part of the covenant promise of God, um, faith in Jesus Christ, um, forgiveness of sins through the death on the cross, uh, belief in eternity through the resurrection of his body and life everlasting. It doesn't matter who you are. And that's the foundation that Paul had laid in all of his ministry. Jesus Christ and him crucified. So I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else now is building on it. So Paul is recognizing the fact that he preached about the resurrection and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, but now other leaders in the church of Corinth are building the church upon that foundation. Uh, but each one should be careful how they build, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, or hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each one's work. If what they have built survives, they will receive a reward. If it's burned up, they will suffer loss. Verse 16, listen. Do you not know? He's talking, listen. He's talking to the church. Okay? He's talking to the community of faith that is Corinth. All right? Not talking to an individual person. Understand, context is important here. Right? That what, who is Paul addressing? Paul is addressing the whole of the, com, of the Corinth community. All those who expressed faith in Jesus Christ. He says this, Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? He's saying that, look, when we come together built upon the foundation of the work of Jesus Christ, right? That the, that the Holy Spirit of God indwells now the community of God and builds us up as his temple and his body. And that God thinks that the gathered community filled with his spirit through faith in Jesus Christ is a pretty important thing and, and it's actually so important um, that he gives a little bit of a warning about it. He gives a, a little bit of a warning um, to those who think that, that, um, that, God doesn't, that God doesn't really care about the group, that God doesn't really care about the community, right? Listen, he says this, If anyone would destroy God's temple... And what is the temple he's referencing? He's referencing what he just said. The, the, the gathered community by faith in Jesus Christ filled with the Spirit of God. Right? If anyone would destroy God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred. And you, you, the church, Corinth, the whole gathered community, you are that temple. That, that God is passionate that God is passionate about his, about his church. That God is passionate about His people. That God is passionate about the community of faith that, that gathers under the banner of Jesus Christ on the foundation of Jesus Christ filled with the Spirit of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That, that God is passionate about that. And that He will take action. And that He will not stand by idly on those that, that seek to destroy the church. All other foundations for unity are insufficient other than Jesus Christ. All other foundations for unity are insufficient other than Jesus Christ. Finally, the last, like, to drive the point home just a little bit further, we'll look at one more one more word of Paul into this, right? In Galatians chapter 3. 
So we are in Ephesians, we are in Corinthians, now we're going to be in Galatians, Galatians chapter 3. Starting at verse 26, verses 26. Through 28. 26, 27, 28. You are all, again, he's talking to a Gentile church. Okay? Non Jewish, Gentile church. You are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, what does Paul, what does Paul say here? Is Paul, is Paul trying to like say that there is there's absolutely no individual distinctiveness about life. Like that your gender doesn't matter, that your heritage doesn't matter, that your job doesn't matter, or your place in life doesn't matter. No, that's not what Paul's saying at all. He's not saying, he's not saying that there, are no, that there is nothing in life that, that makes us distinctive or, or different from someone else. What he's saying that is that, is that there is, there is nothing about the differences of our lives that can overcome the unity that we have by faith in Jesus Christ. That there is no, that there is no thing that the world uses to separate and divide us that is greater than the sum of our mutual faith in Jesus Christ. All of us are, are one in Christ Jesus. Now, this could be this could be this is a really easy thing to let like zip by us at a thousand miles per theological hour, right? Like, oh yeah, we're all one in Christ. Because, in a, in a way, I'm, I'm going to get to this in a minute, um, the way in which we do church, and just as a kind of a reality of it, and I think we should recognize it, we, should, we need to recognize it and be aware of it, and be aware of the way that we prefer to do church, which is, you all prefer to do church this way, and I know that because you keep coming. Okay? Um, uh, but but if we if we don't allow if we don't allow it for for a minute for the for the basis of this message to like settle into our hearts, right? We it just zooms right by us and it makes no transformative difference in the relationships of the community here. And I I I want it to make a difference, right? Do you want to? Do you want things of the Word of God to make a difference in your life, or do you want to just listen and then zoom? Okay? So, here's the thing. Take a minute, because you're all... Here's what I mean by that. Like, we all like to do church this way, is you all like to sit in rows that face the same direction and look in one direction, and sometimes um, we're so focused... Up, up, in, up in this direction that we forget like there's a whole group of people right that, that are around us right so I get it you like to look at the I'm handsome right I, I understand you like the glasses and the pink shirt okay you like to look this way but, but what, if, what if for a moment transformational idea you recognize that there are other people in the room with you and not just recognizing, like, oh yeah, lots of people come to my church, but like actually saw them. Actually, actually looked at them. I mean, 
if I come down here in the middle of the room, right? Everyone stand up. Stand up. You're all, it's okay. Right. And now you look at me, right? Don't, 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 don't look at me. Like, stay where you are, looking in this direction, right? You can even look back there because there's some people back there. Stay looking in the direction that you're looking at, even when I move up here, right? Now don't look at me. <laughs> See, there are other people around you. There are other people in the room. And, and the question is, is that when we look in the faces of, when we make eye contact with others, when we see the clothes that they're wearing, when we know the family that they came from, we know their general, like, their, their path in faith, how far they've come or how far they haven't, or we know what they do for a living, or we know this, or we know that about them, the, the question is, is that when we gather together now as a community, how, through what lens are we looking at one another in the room? Are we looking, are we looking at them through the lens of all of the things that are different about them than us? All of the things that separate us. All of the things that make me better or make me worse, or make them different, or make them the same? Or are we able, and even by the grace of God, right? This is a grace of God. Are we able to see them in this moment, and for every moment beyond this, truly for the reason that we are all in the room together, is because we have in some way, shape, or form expressed faith or pursuit of, in Jesus Christ. They were all standing on the foundation that is the work, the resurrection, the ministry of Jesus Christ, and that there is a common spirit that lives in us all as God's temple and as God's people. Go ahead and have a seat. Listen, this is not an extraordinarily um, insightful point, but I want you to hear it because it's important that we name it and that we, and that we recognize it in our midst and then we repent of the ways that we have allowed it to exist in our community here. Is that the world the enemy, all right? The enemy of our souls, the enemy of this community, right? The enemy of God himself. The world loves to point out and magnify our differences in order to create as much separation as he possibly can between us because a united people in faith in Jesus Christ exists as an extraordinary threat to the kingdom of darkness. And so, any, any tiny wedge that can be placed in between two people, the enemy will stick it there. And if our, and if the, if our faith in Jesus Christ does not hold us together in relationship, right? The enemy will very quietly, over years, just tap on that wedge. Until, until you realize three years of like quietly tap, 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 has driven that wedge so deeply in between us as people 
that we barely recognize one another as brothers and sisters in Christ anymore, and then we start seeing each other as um, the person who voted for that candidate. Or the person that believes that. Or the person who did that. Or the person from there. Or the person who said that to me. Or did this to me. And all of a sudden, right, the, the thing that brought us all from our separate houses back home on this Sunday morning, right, is no longer the thing. We, we, we've forgotten, right? We have forgotten the foundation upon which we stand, the faith upon which we profess, the Savior upon which we, the, that we worship, right? The thing that has brought us together. We have allowed the enemy to drive the wedge to separate. And, and, and this is not who we are. And, and all of us, every, every single one of us, myself, you, every person, right? Every person is to reckon with the ways in which that we have allowed the enemy to drive wedges. Repent of that and do the hard work of gospel community. Pastor, you don't understand. I got a lot of church hurt. I got a lot of church hurt. Um, I love you. You don't have church hurt. You have people hurt. You don't have church hurt. You have people that have done hurtful things to you. And you're clinging to that like a lifeboat in the ocean of your pain, thinking that it's gonna, thinking, thinking that's gonna save you. People have hurt you, and people in the church will hurt you. You know why? Because we're people, right? And we. And we create, we create hurt. And we create pain. And that doesn't make us any less followers of Jesus. What it does is it just gives us a pathway and an avenue to work towards reconciliation and forgiveness because we have been reconciled and because we have been forgiven. Forgiveness, forgiveness happens here and here because forgiveness happened here. Oh man, that's really hard though. Yeah, super hard. Shouldn't community just be easy though? Shouldn't, like especially here. I can't believe that I would get hurt in a church. Isn't a church supposed to be a place where you don't get hurt? No, it's, it's not actually. Um, all the way from the beginning of time, right, people have been hurting each other in the church. Listen, if Jesus couldn't escape relational tension in the, his 12 closest friends, right, you're not going to escape it here. But I wish we were just more like, you know, I just read the book of Acts and I read, I read passages of Scripture and it's like they were all united in one heart and one mind and they gathered around the tables and they broke bread and they play, prayed together and they listened to the apostles' teaching and they went out on mission and why can't we just be like that? I don't know what I'm referencing. I'm referencing the book of Acts, right? Let's, let's read it. Acts chapter 4.
Acts chapter 4. All the believers, verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There was no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses, sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as they had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, for crying out loud, whom the apostles called Barnabas, sold a whole field that they owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Pastor, why can't we just have a place like that? We stop there, right? Reading the next 10 verses in the story would give us some instruction as to reality, right? Because the next 10 verses, Acts chapter 5, are all about how two people took that money, right? And kept it for themselves, lied about it in front of the whole church, and God was like, you're dead. I just wish we could have a New Testament church. Ah, please don't say that, right? Because you better tell the truth all the time. I don't think Ananias and Sapphira felt like their community was so idyllic that it was free from the necessary right, hard work of sitting across from or next to or staring into the eyes of people who have sinned before a holy God, who have sinned like in, in, in hurting others, and who have, has necessitated the need for, for humility in saying to the person, will you forgive me for the, for, for the significant pain that I have caused you, for the ways in which I have hurt you, for the ways in which I have allowed the enemy of our souls to magnify the divisions that are between us and, we have, and I have not stood firmly on the one thing that brings us together. Listen. We, we have often here at Conduit, okay, we've often struggled to create a deep gospel-centered community on a wide scale. And, and maybe not on a wide scale that, um, like, that, consistently, that consistently moves, right? That consistently grows. We've seen, like there have been pockets of good gospel community, of really, really deep relationships where forgiveness and grace and mercy and love and celebration and joy and all of those things and community are like thriving and and like and like just awesome stuff right see like what what i consider to be like fantastic gospel community is not when a bunch of people get together and they never disagree about anything and they're just always happy and they're just always like never talking about things that actually matter but like we're talking in like in pleasantries and never get down into the meat of what life actually is because those are the things where you're going to start upsetting people, right? And then working through them and being like, yeah, you know, um, I'm sorry for what I said. I still, you know, like I really truly believe this, but like our, our differences don't so matter, don't matter so much as how much I love you in Jesus Christ. And like, like that's the good stuff. That's the stuff of the New Testament. That's the stuff of the gospel, Right? And we could, we could all talk about, listen, um, man, I think about ministry here at Conduit, I guarantee you, ten times more than anyone in this room. I lose sleep over it. Literally. Right? I space out on my days off, just staring at the wall. Sherry will walk into the room and be like, what are you doing? I was like, I was thinking about church. I don't know. I don't know how long I was standing here, but I was standing here for a while, right? It consumes the lion's share of my prayer life, 
my thought life, right? Like, listen, I see it. If you see something here, there's a good chance that I saw it three years ago. And that's not, I'm not saying that as a point of pride. I'm saying is that like, my eyes are wide open about it. My, my eyes are wide, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not naive or ignorant about like the difficulty in creating things like truly deeply centered gospel community. Despite all of the ways in which we've maybe like stopped and started in that, I want you to know and I want you to hear that despite all of that, recognize that my heart is that we would all, each of us as individuals, would, would commit to recognizing our own critical individual role in the hard process of being one in Jesus Christ with one another. That we would all do the hard work of looking over and past the wedges that the enemy is trying that is driving into our relationships to the foundation of Jesus our common faith in Jesus Christ and then allow that to be the launching point off for the health of our relationships with one another now listen this is really really difficult to do this is really difficult to do when we approach our life together here when we come together as a community right honestly pursuing gospel-centered community is a very very difficult thing to do when we approach our life within the community merely as a consumer who has come here to a certain place on a Sunday morning to receive a product that other people produce for us. And then checking off the boxes in our internal comment card about how good it is compared to what we can get somewhere else. I could name you five churches that I could throw a rock at where you would go and get a better product in this area, in this area, in this area, and in this area. It has nothing to do with us saying like, well, man, we got to produce the best product possible so that our customers want to come and receive what we have to offer. It's very difficult to pursue life-changing, gospel-centered, relational community here if the only posture that you have towards the community is of a consumer. You will always find something wrong. Always. I know all of the wrong things about this place. All of them. Magnified to what you know. Trust me. Okay? I will give, if you're looking for a list of things to not like about Conduit, come and see me after church. I'll give you a list. Because there are things that I don't like either. But that I am committed to saying, you know, no, 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 no. There are things that I don't like. But what I do like is that Jesus Christ is the foundation of all that we're pursuing and doing. And so I'll stand on that foundation and fight with the things that I don't like with the people who will stand on that foundation with me as well, right? And man, I will punch it out with the things that I don't like from now until Jesus comes back if that's what it takes. And, can you, the, and, and your relationships in this place will change if we can all stand on that same foundation and says, yeah, let's punch it out together. Let's pursue the hard work of looking at the other people around us and saying, our faith in Jesus Christ that unites us is so much bigger than the things that divide us. Our community, gospel community, will never be a product to simply be consumed. 
I don't want that. And I repent of the places and the ways where it may have become that in the past. That is not what I want. This is, that is not where I will lead. That is not what I will do. Yes, the community is not always ideal. But it's, the reason that it's not ideal is not because Jesus is not ideal. It's because we're people and we're not ideal. But we're, but we're standing on the foundation of the one that is great. So I'm asking, I'm asking as your pastor, if you will agree with me that in 2023 and beyond that, right? Not like we're just going to do it this year. But in 2023, if you will stand with me on the foundation that is our mutual faith in Jesus Christ and undergo the hard work of tearing down the relational walls that have separated us and press together into opportunities to develop Jesus-centric gospel community. In the full disclosure that it may require things of you that you don't currently want to do or that are very, very difficult. You might have to start loving some people that you don't currently like. If you, if you're willing to follow me by standing on that foundation of Jesus Christ, to pursue the hard work of gospel-centered relationships and community this year, would you, would you stand with me? I'm going to have the, ask the worship team if they'll come back up. And um, and I believe that one of the great things about this is that I believe it's a thing that God wants and desires of us as well, right? So now when we when we stand and we and we um, we approach the throne of grace boldly and with confidence because of our faith in Jesus Christ, um, that, that God is like to all of heaven. Hey, sh- 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 hey guys, listen. Listen. They're, the church is praying. Listen to what the church prays. H- hear what they have to say. Right? What, look at them express their faith. Look, look at them express their faith in Jesus Christ and their belief that their prayers will not go unanswered, that, that, we have, that God has a heart to listen. So, if you would for a moment, just hold your hands out like this. Heavenly Father, we pray in one voice, in one posture, expressing one faith in one Savior, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, 
Lord, let us feel beneath our feet the foundation of Jesus Christ, who is the chief cornerstone of our lives. Lord, in one voice and in one spirit, with open hands and surrendering posture, Lord, we pray, Father, that You would do in us a work that honors and glorifies You to build a community that is so gospel-centered that the unbelieving world looks at it and is amazed at what You have done. Lord, give us the courage and the faith to forgive where we have been sinned against. To reconcile where we have been hurt. Lord, I pray that You would give us the humility to receive the words from another person when they say, what You have done has hurt me. Lord, that we would not, that we would not be people that we would not be people that are argumentative or harsh. Lord, that we would be people who are gentle and who are kind. That we would display a love, Lord, that keeps no records of wrongs, but that delights in the truth. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would bind up the accuser of our souls, our enemy. That you would bind his hands, Lord, that he, as he seeks to drive wedges in between us, Lord. That you would remove his power and his strength to do so. Lord, teach us Teach me. Teach me about the depths, Lord. The depths of your mercy displayed on the cross. Teach us about the joy and also the hard work of what it means to live in community with one another. Community like we dream of. Community like we see displayed in Your Word. Full of the realities of life, Lord, yes. But so infused with hope of the Gospel, Lord, That we are that that our oneness in your spirit becomes the only the only way that we see one another. Father, I pl- I pray, I pray for your blessing. Lord, I pray for your blessing over these people. Lord, that your spirit would move and fall and flow through them through faith in Jesus Christ. That they would be so moved, Lord by your spirit and by your word that their that their hunger for the things of you lord would bring them to a place of total surrender in this moment and the next lord that they would that they would abide in you by remaining connected to Jesus Christ the true vine of our lives lord father and that we would Receive. Receive and receive, Lord, as a community. The increased blessing of your presence among us and in our relationships. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's worship. May the God... Lord, we... Lord, I pray that you would fill us up with the measure of the fullness of who you are. 
Lord, that you would fill us up with the measure of the fullness of who you are. Lord, to echo these words one more time from your word and the words that we just sang. Lord, I kneel before the Father from whom this whole family, both in heaven and on earth, derives its name. And I pray, Lord, that out of your glorious riches that you may strengthen us with your power through your Spirit in our inner being so that Jesus Christ would dwell in our hearts, Lord, through faith. And I pray that we, being rooted and established in love, would have power together with all of the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love, that it surpasses all knowledge, and that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of who you are. Lord, now to you, who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine, according to your power that is at work within us, Lord, to you be glory in this church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, family. See you next week. You are loved.